Praise the Lord, brethren. Indeed, there is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. I want to say thank you to the new believers and the part that they have played in the service. Keep working for the Lord. Make sure you have made your calling and your election sure. We are so happy that you have decided to switch sides in the battle because there are only two fighting sides. And as we fight under the banner of Prince Emmanuel, under the banner of Christ Jesus, we are assured of a crown of life. Doesn't matter the difficulties that we will go through and difficulties will come. Those of us who have been walking the path and fighting on the side knows that there are difficult days that we face in our Christian experience but we also know that the grace of God is sufficient no matter what the circumstances bring hold on to Jesus new believers do not return to Egypt 
Do not return where? Yes, do not return to sin. You have found righteousness. Stick with Jesus. Hold on to his unchanging hand. Hold on even when there seems to be no hope. He is there. He is constant. He is everlasting. He is faithful to his words. And I want to say to us all, new and old, Christ is coming soon. There are a lot of things that are happening in this world. One of them is that Satan wants to misrepresent Jesus. He wants to paint Jesus as a tyrant. And he is using a very particular doctrine, false doctrine, known as the forever burning hell. God, in his mercy, will never allow hell to burn forever and ever. Hell will burn until sin is destroyed. If sin is found in you as a human being, you will have to be destroyed. But God made provision that none, none should perish. Second Peter chapter 3. Let's start at verse 9. As we talk about the goodness of God. As the sisters sang. Christ's goodness is a goodness that is constant and is everlasting. The Lord is what now? Not slack concerning his promise. In other words, God is coming back. As some men call slackness, but is what now? Long suffering. What does that mean to you? God is patient. Patient. Not to all, patient to all, and willing that all should what? Let me, let me get it. But is long suffering to us, Lord, not willing that any should perish, but that what now? All should what? Come to repentance. Satan does not want us to know that. Doesn't want the world to know. He rather the world to believe that there is no hope. He rather the world to believe that you came about just by chance. That you evolved from nothing to what you are now. He is selling those ideas because he wants to discredit the Savior. But the Bible tells us that we have a loving Savior. And we 
who know that should every day find opportunities to tell the world about the thing. It is our solitary duty, a most salient one. Angels wish they had this privilege that we have to let others know of the Savior who came. I had a plan, let me give you from the beginning, had a plan before he created man that if anything should happen and man choose not to be loyal, he himself, Jesus, would sacrifice himself so that we might live. Man chose to honor themselves rather than honor God and sin entered into the world. When man recognized that they committed the offense, they ran and sought their own solution. What Adam did he sowed fig leaves together. But was that sufficient? No. Couldn't come. Satan thought that God would have not kept his appointment. And he was waiting there because he had made a charge that God is a tyrant. So he had made this charge. Tyrant God is going to come now and destroy them. When God came down in the Garden of Eden at his appointed time, he came with a message of hope. He went searching. Just like how he came searching for us by whatever means we came into the church. He came searching with a message of hope that he himself would be the sacrifice so that we can live. So the Bible says, for God so what now? Love this world. For God so loved the world is too important. Put your name in it. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. His only child. He put his only child on enemy's territory in this earth. One slip, and God would have no child. One slip, and we would have no hope. But he did it anyway for you and I. It's a message we must bring to the world, to our neighbors, to the family members in our home who have not the hope that Jesus loves them with not just an ordinary life, but with an everlasting life. Christ is coming soon. He will have no choice but to destroy sin. And if sin is in humans, he will have to do them a favor and destroy. But 
we have time now to make it right. Let's encourage someone to make it right. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of worship. We know, Lord, that the time will come when such a privilege will not be ours. Help us, Lord, to make use of this time to make our calling an election show. Be with us today. Cleanse us from the unrighteousness of sin, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. But today, I choose to speak to us on the second church outlined in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation was written by a man who knew Christ well. Who was it written by? John, the Revelator. John was a friend of Christ. He knew him well. The Bible records that Jesus loved John. And John loved him. John went through many persecutions and sorrows to write the book of Revelation. In fact, John was sent into exile after he was boiled in a pot of oil. But God spared him because he had a mission to write the words to other people in his last days. What is the message? Well, Revelation starts out with Christ walking among the seven candlesticks. A description that represents the churches throughout the period of time. It says to us that Christ is mindful of his church. That Christ has business with his church. The candlesticks had candles in them. They were burning. Showing to us that Christ's church must be a church that is willing to shed the light of salvation to each and every one. It says to us that Christ walking amongst the candlesticks is intimately involved in the upkeep and the running of his church. Put it more personal. You believe us, all of our members, Christ has an interest in how you live. What kind of an interest? An intimate interest. A divine interest in how you as a Christian live. It also shows to us that he is willing to help us come up to the standard to meet him. 
Now, Christ is examining his church. When we, when we, when we look at the church here in Smyrna, the second church, we find out that this church was persecuted for their righteous living. They were persecuted for following the doctrines of Christ. They were persecuted for calling sin by its right name. They were persecuted for being commandment keepers. And who were they persecuted by? Well, it tells us in the Bible that they were persecuted first by persons who saw themselves as Jews but were not Jews in their living. In other words, they were persecuted in today's society by people who claim to be members of the church but are not living the life. Other group that they were persecuted by were, was the society. People who had no affiliation with church but were enforcing at the time what was known as the worship of the emperor, the Roman emperor. And so we see two things here. Persecution by unconverted church members and persecution by the society that had a law that said you must worship the emperor. There was a famous Christian living in Smyrna at the time who was known as Polycarp. Polycarp was burned alive because he refused to worship the emperor. He knew, based on the commandment, that worship belonged only to God. That he would not bow himself before idol, whatever it be in the form of an inanimate object or a living person. Such was the test of Smyrna, that at every step of the way, they had challenges. Hear the word of the Lord. And unto the angel, Revelation 2 verse and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things set the first and the last. Whose description is that? God, these things says the Alpha and the Omega. These things says our Savior, our Creator, who was what? Dead. Dead. And is what now what? Alive. In other words, whoever is speaking knows the beginning from the end. 
Whoever is speaking knows our heart. We can't fool him. And he says, I know thy works. It's a charge to us now. Because the same message are the same statement that Christ, and if you look through all the seven churches, is that in fact with, I know thy works. When Christ is speaking to us, let us know it's from a position where he knows our work. But not only does he know our work, he said to the, to the brethren in Smyrna, I know your tribulation. And that's very important. Do you have trials and tribulation? Yes. Christ is saying here, I know about them. Sometimes you feel that the deliverance is not coming fast enough. Hold on. Hold on. Christ knows what you are going through. And he will give you the strength to bear it. And I also know that poverty. Now because of their religious beliefs, because they stood for the commandments, Smyrna faced, or the brethren in Smyrna, faced many economic challenges. Trading, buying and selling, getting a job with civil society, with the civil service, etc. They were forbidden because only those who were affiliated with the Romans and their practices could enjoy the economic subsistence. Smyrna was a very, very prosperous city. It was a very prosperous metropolis, but the Christians, the commanding keepers, were excluded from the economic riches of the time. But you see what God has in bracket there? But thou art rich. It doesn't matter if the world, and we will face it, if you are not facing it now. Certain jobs you can't get because of your religious affiliation. Your boss don't want to give you God's time off. Or they don't like you because of what you stand for in the place of work. It doesn't matter. Plant your two car and carrot as soon as you turn it and satisfy in Jesus' name. Because Jesus says where it matters most. You are rich. How are you rich? Spiritual. Adhere to the kingdom. What is in God's kingdom? The road alone is made up of gold. Huh? That is not a poor kingdom if the road is made of pure gold. You can imagine, and you see the description 
in the home. It doesn't matter. You have the, the assurance of a crown of life put on your head by Jesus Christ himself. That is riches. Sometimes, because of your decision for Christ, you are going to face challenges. So many people have sold out Christ for the economic gains of this world and would have achieved what they call riches. But then, will Christ say of them, you are poor. He said it of. He said it to the brethren back there in Laodicea. You think you're rich, but you're poor. Don't sell out God for the things of this world. Don't sell your eternal life for the filthy lucre of this world. Don't store up for yourself treasures that must will come and destroy. Make an eternal bond with Christ. That it doesn't matter if you suffer down here. Christ says your bread and water will be sure. Not many of us can handle riches. You're in the church and you say you can't find a way out. Maybe Christ is saying it's not your time yet. Wait a little longer until you become mature. Or he is saying it's not for you on this side of the journey. Whatever the decision is, accept God's ruling on the matter and be content. Because godliness is contentment. In other words, righteous living and being contented with how Jesus says you should live is great gain. The brethren of Smyrna, they were satisfied. Here is Christ saying to them in verse 9. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogues of Satan. In other words, I know of the brethren that are slandering you and reporting you to the authorities to get favor with the authorities of this world. It's coming back. coming back. New believers take cover under Jesus. Take cover under the assurance of his word. Learn the promises in the Bible. Trust it because they are sure that the rising of the sun tomorrow morning. God's word are sure. You see, God said before this, that over the eye. Or the tickle over the sea. Part out of his word. 
he prefer heaven and earth to pass away. That's how sure God's words are. And we must trust in them. Here is verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Is it the word shall? Shall and shall. There's no if with that word. It means it is what? Sure. If you live for Christ, if you live for Christ, you will suffer persecution. There is no if about it. As long as you are a commandment keeper, you are going to suffer persecution. Smyrna brethren faced it, but God says, fear not those things which ye shall suffer. In other words, don't live your life anticipating suffering. Live your life trusting in Jesus. That whatever He allows to happen to you, it is well done. Whatever He allows to happen, He is by your side. He is walking beside you. He is bearing it with you. Behold the devil shall cast some of you into prison. If we live long enough, this will also be our faith. But the, the saying goes, a prison that contains a child of God, a prison cell that contains a child of God is better than a palace because God is here with his child. Doesn't matter the suffering that you will go through in your prison. Sometimes it might not be physical prison. The prison can be in your own yard. Prison jailer could be your children or your wife or your husband. But suffer with Christ. Stand for righteousness. And there's another counsel too when it relates to suffering and persecution. Don't suffer as a busybody in other people's business. Some Christians love people's business. And them bother CNN and TV jailers have antenna all over the place. Spend time with God in His Word. Spend time with God in His Word. That ye may be tried, that ye shall have tribulation ten days. We won't get into the prophetic time. But look at the counsel that Christ gives here. Be thou faithful unto death. So even if death is required, and the decision is coming, for those who Christ will choose to remain alive as a witness in these last days, some persons will be put to sleep. You'll be fit as a figure. Follow all the health rules, but God will put you to sleep. Why? 
because you see that you won't be able to bear the challenges of these last days. Doesn't matter. Because if Christ puts you to sleep, you're well sleeping. He will wake you up and put on your head a crown of life and put on your body a robe of righteousness. Trust in him. Whatever he is doing is well done. Be thou faithful unto death. I will give thee a crown of life. And let me tell you something. Learn patience. There are 12 gates to the city. And Christ is going to put the crown on everybody's head. And I'm not saying it's impossible for him to split into 12. But I believe he will be standing at a gate and putting on a crown, one gate at a time, one saint at a time. He will not allow angels to put the crown on your head. He will not give that work to Gabriel. He won't give the work to the Holy Spirit. The Father will have no part in that work. Christ himself will put on our hands, if we are faithful, the crown of life signifying his love for us, signifying his acknowledgement that we have overcome the world through his grace. And in verse 11, the admonition is given. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And here's where the problem is now. Not a lot of brethren are willing to hear what Christ is saying to them. You see, it's not sufficient for one day out of the week to hear from Christ. It's not sufficient to be to make it just divine service or Sabbath school. It's not sufficient to ignore God's God. You need to hear from God every day. You need to pray to the Lord every day. You need to study His Word every day. Well, I remember quoting this brother. Quoting, sometimes there was one phone in the school, and sometimes the secretary had to come and take me off the phone. Because she said, This is not a personal line, it's a business line, talking to my wife. And now that you have a cell phone, you spend most of the time talking to. It's not one day you talk to your partner. Our relationship with Christ should be closer than our earthly relationships. We should talk to Christ often. Follow the counsel of Paul. Pray without ceasing. 
Talk to Christ Trooper, listen to him through his words. But yet, we must acknowledge that there's a problem with us and the world. We don't love it some of the time. We love other things more. And here's where the devil is gaining a foothold in the life of Christians. The neglect of the scriptures. And the listening to other voices. And other sources. This week's lesson point, that pointed that out. When it comes on to overcoming our child, only Jesus. But how often do we think about other sources of what we say deliverance? Where some Christians find themselves at some places where you only go at night time seeking help when they have help in Jesus Christ. And there are so many other examples. And when it comes down to doctrinal issues, instead of searching the scriptures for ourselves and coming to a clear understanding based on the Bible, we find ourselves listening to some people who are speaking on behalf of them. In garments and perfecting Christianity, but your words are from the devil himself. And I often say to the Bible in Belgium, don't sit down in church and listen to me as I'm right. You better search the Bible for yourself because me and Satan could have made that easy. Yeah? And some pastor and Satan have been that sell out God for the things of this world to lead people astray, to lead them down into hell. I, I see some pastors coming to, to church with police outright in convoy. One Bentley here, so. I carry the person who I go open for him door and him there back in this uh, Bentley around here so I'm Bentley not cheap riding in early chariot speaking lies to the people they have made a deal with the devil search the Bible for yourself search the Bible for yourself Christ says he has given us the Holy Spirit to lead us what now? Into all truth. Make use of that avenue. And here is it now. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. He that what? Overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. And what does it mean to overcome? You see, overcome and come over, go over the mountain, overcome, have triumph over the challenges, can only happen when we trust in Jesus Christ. 
overcoming your situation, overcoming your torment, overcoming your persecution, overcoming sin can only happen when we trust in Jesus Christ. Many will be your challenges, but God's grace is sufficient. God's grace, is that is the message? God's grace is sufficient. Many will be your challenges, especially when you choose to live for Jesus Christ. You are going to have a struggle. Romans chapter 7, 15 to 22 tells you the struggle. As a matter of fact, let's make that our last step. Romans chapter 7. Paul speaking of his challenges, of his challenges. Seven, fifteen. For I know, for that which I do, I allow, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. In other words, Paul is saying he finds himself doing things that he knows he's not supposed to do. That he knows in his heart of heart, he hates it. We will have those kind of challenges. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. No, then, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth where in me. And here is our challenge. Here is where we have the problem. But how can we get sin out of our lives? By turning it over to Jesus Christ. Turn your life over to Jesus Christ. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth what? No good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that doeth it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. In other words, who can allow us to overcome sin? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Only God. So give him time in your life. Let the word cement itself in your life. So that you can have victory. I said that was the last one, but here is one more. One more. The mindset that we should have. Romans chapter 8. The mindset is important. Mindset is important. Here's the mindset that we should have going into the last of these last days as Christians. Romans chapter 8, 35 to 37. Who shall separate us from the what? The love of Christ. 
And the question is being asked now, what are some of the things that will come in these last of last days? Shall tribulation, shall our distress, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our peril, our sword. In other words, what the things that are coming up to the world, are they, are you going to allow them to separate you from the love of God? As it is written, Paul, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And then he answered the question. When he asked the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? He went now down in this verse 37 and he answered, Nay, meaning no, those are four things mentioned shall not separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loves. In other words, can Christ present you faultless before the throne of God? Yes, he can. For I am persuaded, Paul, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heart, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May this be the mindset of us all as we trust the final inch to the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.